So we are in Romans chapter 9 today, and I have to say this is probably one of the hardest chapters for me. It might be a breeze for you, but, but it's hard. And, and I'll tell you why it's hard, because there's some things that it talks about in there that, that could pose some questions for us if you didn't know the whole story of God. This is why it's so important to read the Bible Not necessarily from beginning to end, but understand God in the whole context of the entire narrative of God's love for humanity from Old Testament, from the Garden of Eden into Jesus, and then the soon coming King Jesus Christ coming back again. But if you read it just purely chapter 9 or a verse in there, you're almost going to misunderstand who God is. You, You might even say, Am I really in control or am I like, is there a puppet master and we're just puppets playing a part that God is choosing to do? Today we're talking about God's sovereignty. God is sovereign. And, and there's some things that, that, that Paul, write, who's writing to the church in Rome, um, begins to say. And you have to understand who he's writing to and why he's saying some things. So first of all, he's writing to um, to the church there, which many of them are Jews. And, and remember, when Jesus came, he, he created this big divide that said, you, you know, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two when Jesus went to the cross, rose again, and, and made our relationship with God the Father for everybody, not just the Jews. Now, a couple terms also we're going to mention here. So there's We talk about the Israelites. The Israelites are the Jews. The Israelites are also the Hebrew people. How they got their name, the Israelites, was we remember Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. Jacob had these sons. Joseph was one of them. Joseph was the one who um, really became the governor of Egypt and kind of saved the Hebrew people during the Great Famine. Then out of that time, a little bit later, Moses comes onto the scene. Moses, in his um, power through, through the Holy Spirit, oh my, they love my preaching. Did you hear that? <laughs> they love it. You can keep him right here because you could just, he's just cheering me on. <laughs> um, so Moses... Remember, baby in the Nile basket, but he is the deliverer of the, of the Hebrew people out of, um, out of Egypt, promised land, right? And then, and then we come into this, this place where, so Hebrew, Jews, Israelites, they're all talking about the same thing. The reason I mention that is because we're going to go through that today. So here we go. We're going to jump right in here and, uh, and we're going to say, why is this important though? Why is this important? Because you have to say, am I... Do I have a free will or does God just control me? And why it's important to know this is because sometimes you might think after reading this that somebody's too far gone, somebody's too far gone, and that God's just using them for evil, for his good. And and you you don't catch the heart of God, which is the song we just sang, that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's God's heart. His heart is that none should perish. But here we go. Romans chapter 9. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. By my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh, 
They are Israelites, and to them belong, belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. So basically, he's going on and saying, okay, I'm talking to the Jews. My, uh, Paul himself is a Jew. He's talking to them and saying, guys, you, you are the one who had the covenants of the patriarchs. You're the ones that God gave the Ten Commandments to, the law, um, on Mount Sinai, you, you are the ones that were like the chosen, the adopted ones. And then he goes on to say, um, to them belong the patriarchs from their race or ethnicity according to the flesh is, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. You have to begin to understand Paul's heart as he starts talking about this. He says that his heart is such that he wished that he was the one accursed for the sake of his brothers, the Jewish people, who really struggled to understand that Jesus was the Messiah. I think the interesting thing, though, is, do you understand when, when you come to Christ and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your love for people goes through the roof? And if you find that your love is growing cold for people, I would say rekindle a love relationship with the Lord and your love for people will start to go up. Paul loves people so much and he knows what is going to happen to them if they don't come into a relationship with Christ. He actually said, I would rather be accursed. In other words, I'd rather go to hell than, than all of my Jewish brothers and sisters, to not know who this Christ is. And he's so passionate about it. He goes, if I were the one being accursed, so they can know who Jesus is. I love that passion. And, and I know for us, I probably, when I read that, I was like, would I have that same passion? Would I have that same approach that my heart for people who don't know Christ, I'm willing to, to, do, to go to hell myself just so everybody would know Christ. I don't know if I'd be willing to say that, <laughs> but this is what Paul is saying. Verse six, but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, descended from Jacob, belong to Israel, the people, and not all the children of Abraham, remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Okay, now remember, he's talking about the law keepers, the Jewish people who love the law, but struggle to understand it's about a relationship with Jesus through faith through faith, and he's saying, just because you were born into this lineage of the promise of the patriarchs and you are of the Jewish culture, you're an Israelite, doesn't mean that you're all set. And I would say for us, how that applies to us, just because you grew up in the church, just because you're in church, doesn't mean you're all set. What makes you all set is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, and verse 10, and not only so, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, Rebekah was the wife of Jacob, 
our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purposes of election might continue, not because of the works, but because of him who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger, as is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Okay, this is where it gets difficult. So he's saying that God has a purpose for people. And, and now, if you remember the story of, uh, of Jacob and Esau, which are the sons of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, who had twins, Jacob and Esau, Usually the birthright, the oldest would be the one who would take over the uh, family lineage and would have the uh, responsibility uh, and would get the inheritance, but it got flipped over a bowl of stew, quite frankly. Remember, one was hairy and one wasn't, and Jacob actually deceived his father, who uh, Isaac was, didn't have good eyesight at that time, and, and yet Jacob was prospered. By it, and God made a covenant with him. And so here we're saying, just a second, God is already saying that Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Here's where you have to understand the election part. You use the word election, which is kind of like this also goes in this idea of predestination. Like, are some predestined to actually go to hell? Are some predestined to never make it in life? Are some predestined just to be robbers and thieves, or some predestined just to come to Christ or elected to? What is God's sovereignty in all that? And I have to say, you have to know God in this way. Remember, God doesn't function in time like we function in lineal time. He's, they say this is of Jesus, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Revelation says that. But, but we understand that God... Jesus actually reflects all the nature and characteristics of our Father in heaven. So if they say that of Jesus, that's true of God. God sees the beginning from the end. This is why in Jeremiah, he says, I, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. How, how's that possible, right? It's because he already sees your life before your life is even conceived, before it even begins. And so when God begins to start saying, hey, I... I your life, I already see what your life is going to be. I'm already going to see that you're going to sell your birthright for a bowl of stew. I'm already going to see this. And because of it, I already see it. I see that you've rejected me, God's saying, that, that that's how he can make those statements early on. Now, you have to understand that God doesn't hate um, people. But there's a spiritual principle in here is is. Whatever you give God, he will use it. You, or don't give God. However you want to live your life, God will use it. You want to live it, live it for evil, God will use it for his good. You want to live for God, God will use it. It's the idea of being a vessel, right? But God will use every vessel that he has created. We'll read about this. Verse 14. What shall then we say? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So again, it feels like God's kind of like flippantly just kind of like, you, you get compassion today. You, no compassion for you today. 
But we need to understand this further. That's why if you just read this on a whole, it's confusing. That doesn't make sense. I don't know God that way. But on God, whom has mercy? For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Pharaoh. Remember that now he's talking about the, the story. He's, he's, he's taking a lot of these Old Testament accounts and stories and he's trying to make a point of God's sovereignty. But more importantly, the point he's trying to make is who are you to think the Gentiles, were Gentiles by the way, the non-Jews, could somehow enter into God's family? Is really what he's trying to say. Because you're saying, you Jews, you're all law keepers, and yet you struggle to even receive Christ. And, and do you realize that God could actually have a heart for people that aren't like you? So here he's talking about Moses, uh, Pharaoh. And, and it says that God hardened his heart. Well, did God harden his heart, or did God use Pharaoh's hardened heart? God used Pharaoh's hardened heart. See, whatever you give God, God will still use it. You want to live in rebellion? God will still use it for his purposes because that's who God is. God doesn't waste anything. He uses all things to show his glory. And here he used Pharaoh's hardened heart to show glory of, of, and to show his power and his might to free the Israelites. Remember, uh, all the 10 plagues, and that was the, the thing that set the Israelites free from slavery. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will, God's will? And again, the question is, do, does humans have free will, or is God the puppet master? By the way, God's not the puppet master, but who are you, O oh man, to ask back to God? Will what is molded say to his master, to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has a potter no right over the clay to make out the same lump, one vessel for honorable use, another vessel for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, and to make known his power has endured with much patient vessels, patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which is prepared beforehand for glory. It's really important that you, you, you catch a distinction here between the two vessels. A vessel of wrath that God will use says prepared for destruction. So is God preparing people for destruction or are people made, made choices in their life to be destructive in their choices in life but God will use it for his purposes? It's the latter. And, and, and if you begin to read this thinking that somehow God is this He's just controlling people's lives. You have to understand that God has always given humanity free will. God is only working with what you choose to give him. Or don't give him. But God will use what, how we choose to live our life. For me and you, I'm glad that you're choosing to say, here, I am, here am I, Jesus. Use me for your kingdom, for your glory. But there are many people who don't know Jesus said, 
I'm gonna live selfishly for myself and God will still say, I will still use you for my glory. That's what he did with Pharaoh. So he's talking about these two vessels, but the interesting thing, he says, in, um, in order to make his, known his riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he's prepared beforehand for glory. So he's prepared that beforehand. The difference between the two vessels is one is not beforehand, prepared for destruction, meaning that person lived their life in such a way, it's now ready to bring some destruction, if you will. But prepared beforehand, meaning, remember last week we talked about God's predestined, his predestiny for you is that all would come to know Christ, that we would all bring glory to him. And so what he's saying is, that's his heart for everybody, but he will never let anybody's life go unused, if you will. And again, the point you really have to make is Paul's going pretty heady, heady and pretty deep here, but he's trying to make a point that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, that God can choose who God wants to use and God can choose who he brings into adoption into his kingdom. But by the way, aren't you glad? Because Anybody Jewish here? Raise your hand if you're Jewish. There might be. None. So we're all Gentiles, and aren't you thankful that God allowed us in, <laughs> right? <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Right? We've been grafted in to God's, all God's promises, and we can have a relationship with him. Okay. Now we have to keep reading for us to get the heart of God. Because if you just read that one section, God hardened Pharaoh's heart to do some, it feels like God's the puppet master, but it's not true. It's not true. He just uses what we give him, right? He's the potter. We are the clay. And, and we are the lump of clay. We can either chase, say, God, shape us and mold us, or the clay can say, forget you, God. I'm going to live in rebellion and walk away from you. And God says, that's okay. I'll still use your life to work something out for good. Okay. I'm going to read that vessel part again because it ties into uh, the next part. What if God, so verse 22, what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, vessels being people, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. There's this point between the Jews and Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea. Okay, now he's quoting another, another book from the Bible, Old Testament, Hosea. Those who are not my people... I will call my people, and who, her, who, and her who was not beloved, will be called beloved. And in the very place there was said to them, "You are not my people." There they will be called sons of the living God. The story of Hosea and Gomer, if you know anything about that, is a powerful story of a man, Hosea, who married Gomer, who ended up, was an adulteress, 
Some may think that she was a temple prostitute that he married, but they had kids together, but she kept running off with other guys. And the the account goes that Hosea was faithful to her. When he had every right to divorce her, he was faithful to her. And and the the picture of that story is God's heart and and is really what Jesus has done. When, When we are unfaithful to him, he is still faithful to us. That's good news for us, by the way. That's good news for the world. Because a world can be very unfaithful to God. And guess what? He is still faithful. He's still faithful. And this is the point he's making. He says, just because people are unfaithful, just because people turn their back to God, and God is still faithful, not wishing that any should perish. His heart is that all will come to know him and be adopted as sons and daughters. Verse 27, and Isaiah, man, he's just like, he's pulling all the stops out. Like, Paul was a pretty sharp guy, right? He, he was a teacher of the law anyway, so he knew the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible really well. But Isaiah's a, a prophetic book. Now he's quoting Isaiah. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea. Remember, that was one of his uh, promises to Abraham. I will make your descendants, and this was the challenge with Sarah, his wife, who couldn't bear a child, and the miracle happened when Sarah was 99. But he's kind of going back there. Be the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved, for the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring... We'd have been like Sodom and have been like Gomorrah. And if you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah, very, very wicked city. And, and they were saying, well, if you can just find one righteous one in that city, God said, I won't destroy it. The city ended up being destroyed because of their great evil and their great um, disdain towards anything of God. They just live so abased for their fleshly desires. I wanted to continue to remind us that, that we must, we must, we must keep Jesus central in our life. Because I'm just going to go on the Sodom and Gomorrah thing for just a minute because that's what happened. They, they, they started living for their flesh, for sensuality, for pleasure, for whatever their own person desired, and it created such a toxic city that it eventually just got destroyed upon itself. And and we're like that remnant though. We're we're like that shining light, that that hope for our world. And I want to encourage us that we this is not the time to hide your light under a bushel. No. (laughs) I'm gonna let my light shine. I did under a bushel, no. What? I heard somebody say, don't do it. Don't do it, Mark. Don't go there. You're wise to tell me not to go there. Do it. Do it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. <laughs> you guys are so good. Thank you for, for just being there. <laughs> it's so supportive. All right, you knew I was going into a bad rabbit hole and you just pulled me right back out. You pulled me right back out. Thank you so much. Online, did you join us in singing that song? I know you did. I know you did. I heard it as well. Here we go. We're coming down the, the last little bit here as the worship team wants to come up. What shall we say then? Verse 30. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But the, but the Israel who pursued the law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if they were basing it on works or based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is Jesus Christ, by the way. As is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And that is the point of this message. We should not be going around judging people who should, is worthy of Jesus or not. Every person is worthy of Christ. Every person's life has value. Yes, will God use people's evil to accomplish things for his kingdom, to show his glory? Absolutely. But Jesus, who is a stumbling stone for some people, he's telling us that, that let us not be the stumbling stone either for people. Let us be the one that helps make a, a level path, a straight path for people to know who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter how many mistakes they've made in life. It doesn't matter what they've done in life. Let, let's not start segmenting people in a world that is so polarized, politically and agenda-driven. It can be so easy that we get riled up and we become against certain things that means that we're against people and the reality is God wants us to help bring them closer to Jesus. That means we can't be holding up stumbling stones or stumbling blocks for people. But the reality is for some, like the Jews, Jesus was a stumbling stone for them. They couldn't believe that, that the law was insufficient. They couldn't believe that they couldn't work their way into heaven because that's kind of all they knew is like, I've got to do a bunch of things and I've got to make all my sacrifices and I've got to live a certain way. I've got to keep the rules. And, and yet now we're saying Jesus is the one that, that it is only by faith. Like, like you, I don't have to work for it. Like, I don't have to keep a bunch of rules for it. Now, when you come to Jesus, you're going to want to follow what he's instructed in his word because we know what prospers us. And his spirit begins to speak to us in those areas. 
but God is sovereign. But you have to look at God's sovereignty through the lens that God, it doesn't function in our lineal time. He sees what we're going to do when we're 90 years old. Today, he knows what I, my life is gonna be. Before I was born, God knew that I would be standing in front of you today, singing this little light of mine and making a fool of myself. <laughs> he knew that. He knows who is going to choose to make their life, to be the vessel of honor, to say, God, my life is for you. But he also knows the people that he will reject him and want to have nothing to do with him. And God will use their life too. So God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he sees the beginning to the end. But his heart in that is that all should come to know him. That, that he desires to be close to people. He's the one who leaves the 99 to go after the one. I think sometimes it's hard for us to realize really that's all it, all it takes is that we have faith in Jesus Christ. I think the church has maybe done a disservice to the world because people should be flooding into our churches to say, well, I can be free from my guilt and my shame and, and people aren't gonna start pulling up a bunch of rules for me and just saying, no, no, you can come and experience forgiveness and you'll experience love and you'll experience freedom and it doesn't cost you a thing except belief, faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for you. Please don't become a stumbling stone for people to know Jesus. Please make it easy for people to know Jesus. So I love the other song we sang, the second song in the set today that Soraya sang, which was really talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here today and, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I, I want to encourage you that you're not too far gone, that you haven't done the worst of the worst, and somehow you've got to measure up. There's no measuring up. The only thing you need to do is just give your life to Jesus and then trust him that he's a good father. Trust him. That Jesus is a savior that brings you to your good father. Well, let's pray. I think we covered so much. There's so much in that. Hopefully the waters were a little bit slightly more clear from that passage, but that's a hard one. But you just understand, if you can just understand this, that whatever you give God, he will use. But you can choose to give him your life for his good, or you can choose to give a life over to sin and to destruction he also use that, but 
and he'll use it for his glory. But I'd much rather see you give your life to Jesus and you can experience the freedom and wholeness and not the bondage and pain of a life of rebellion and selfishness. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching. Thank you.